0: Green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Goblins is holding on. Cut glory for Goblins. But it is all heart style, Rico. And he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in.
1: Green light is on. For the Green Light on
0: podcast, Yes, hello, and welcome to the Green Light on Premier Racing podcast. Looking ahead to the Meadows this time on uh, what has been a, a very very busy week for the podcast. Obviously, touching on the uh, the feature racing from both Hillsville on Sunday, as well as the Horsham Cup Friday night. So keep an eye out for that episode, which has already dropped, as well as obviously this one, which we're talking all things Meadows on Saturday night. A, a good twelve race card ahead uh, for Metropolitan Greyhound Racing at the MGRA and. I tell you what, we've been tipping winners left, right and centre. The punters' punting club, uh, since we've uh, let Corey Smith have a bit of a holiday and Jason Adams has moved on, they might have been holding it down because I can't help but think uh, it's going better than it ever has. I think we've tipped four or five in a row and hopefully Gastrocnemius can win at Horsham tonight. We're recording this episode on Friday afternoon, so we're cheering for Gastrocnemius there and then obviously a few winners at the Meadows on Saturday night is the name of the game. Run all the way. So we'll start with Run of the Week. There was a few from last Saturday night at the Meadows. Shadow Secret, who we get to see go around again this week. I thought that that was an outstanding win in the first. Went 29.96, could have easily have been Run of the Week. Trending Yale was good because we tipped Trending Yale and it got home in the last hop. Rhino Bale was another one that was impressive. That was a a great clash between Rhino Bale and Your Cutter Room in the fifth race on the program. I'll come back to Elite Alex, in a moment. Um, I thought he was huge. He got beaten at Sandown last night, but he's a serious convention. If he can start drawing some inside traps, I think he's going to be uh, one to follow. And then a little bit later on in the program, there were a couple of nice runs as well with uh, Gotham Baroness getting the job done at the price. But for me... I thought this was a bit of a statement run from Amron Dan. This was Amron Dan at his brilliant best on Saturday night. Racing, Golden Quest away smartly and the favourite's going to burn early out by Link Settling to Grace in shock and Amron Dan a close third and he looms up to put a lot of pressure on and he just went straight on by across to the rail and led. So to the city side, Amron Dan went for home. Led by three lengths. Golden Quest, Grace in shock, a break of four then to Hippo Griff followed by Dirt Farmer, Applicant, then Stella Girl and last of all, shop girl, but off the back, it's all Amron Dan. He is a minute in front, five lengths clear over Grace in shock and then Golden Quest, but this is the real Amron Dan and it is impressive. Amron Dan won it by three lengths, Grace in shock, third of bobbing go. Uh, exactly what he can do, Amron Dan. He just turned up the heat mid-race, 8.94 to the first section. He was up to make the line of three and then he just ignited the meadows through that, uh, that next 12 or 13 seconds. He set up a race-winning break and he was too good. If he keeps jumping like that, Showing that acceleration and that mid-race burn, he's going to win a lot of races over the middle distance. Saturday's preview. Saturday night preview time now, 12 on the card. Race number one at the Meadows, 6.32 Saturday night, race number one. Uh, I'm tipping Umberto here, number seven on top. I just thought the, the run last time was really good because he didn't begin like he had in his first two and therefore or at least his last start prior to that. Uh, he had to work to get to the lead, and I think that was the uh, the undoing. He got stuck on the wrong side of American Queen at the first corner, and he was pretty unlucky. I think he's going to lead this from seven. Um, there's some talent in the race, however. Al's Entity, Greenbacks, Crackerjack, Hawk. It's a good race, but I'm with number seven, Umberto, to lead all of the way. Race two, I'm going seven, Shadow's Secret, just taken by that win last week. Defeated Scalacci the run prior at Warrigal, so that's a very good form line. Race two, number seven. Over then to race number three. thought this was a really, really hard race. I like extremely... Extreme Rage in box two, Starburst Candy in five and zipping looter in four. To be honest, probably a race that I'll leave alone on Saturday night. It's a tricky one. Race number four, I like Fast Milkman. Um, I think this is uh, a very, very big chance of winning. It's not the strongest Metro staying race you'll ever see. So I think the price will be odds on. But um, I think Fast Milkman, I think uh, he'll, he'll justify that and get the job done. He's down in class from what he's been racing against of late. Race five, clearly my best bet of the night, Zara Marnie. I know she's going to be short, but she has been jumping from terrible boxes. And she's been showing... A, a hot turn of pace. B, a will to win. Those last two have just been outstanding at Sandown and Warrigal. And, and then you gift her box one in this race, and I think she wins. So, best bet of the night, race five, number one, Zara Race six, well, Rejuvenate comes back to the Meadows. The scene of the crime when he went 29.47 equaled the time of Amron Boy in a heat of the Silver Chief. That's how good he can go. It's his third look now at the Meadows. He broke the Shepherd and track record last time and was absolutely out of this world. I was speaking with uh, Dan Hibbert after the run. I would actually mind to, mind to get uh, Dan on and have a little bit of a chat about Rejuvenate. I might do that. See if he can have uh, five minutes to spare to chat about this boy because uh, he called him last time and straight away we, we had a bit of a, a message and, and a bit of a yarn I guess about just how good this dog is and the fact that he, he didn't get the cleanest of runs and yet he was able to go 24.59 at Shepparton. He is a superstar and, and the world's his oyster at this point in time. No doubt about that. Race six, number six, Rejuvenate. Uh, race number seven, thought this was a really hard race. I'm not sure who to tip. Cheeky Winks, probably the, the runner to beat with the early speed drawn out there in box number seven. On the to race eight, look, I like Dirt Farmer. The win uh, three starts ago on Australian Cup heat night was really good. Uh, no luck. The start, after that when challenging the lead and then was just in an awkward place around the first corner last time from box seven. I think there's a a lack of pace around Dirt Farmer here, so he might be able to jump and run so I'm happy to go with the blue. Race nine, I like the red incineration for Ashley Terry. Gets the better draw here and um, he's a pretty talented putt when he gets it all right. He got nabbed on the line last week but uh, from the inside he might be able to set up more of a break. So keen on race nine number one incineration. Race ten, I really like number one Edie Bale. I think two Nash Bales is a bit of a danger to track the move, but the red looks the leader. Um, and looks the runner to beat in that. Race 11, look, I'm toying up between the one and the two here, but I'm going with Millie Bale off the inside. I think we'll poke through, hold a place, and has been mixing distances throughout her career, but I sort of feel this 500 mark is about her best pet distance. So with her in the 11th and uh, race 12, this is a cracking field. The, uh, the last race of the night, not normally this impressive. You've got Guelph, Solace, Mapunga Warrior, Whitley Bale, Let's Win Coin, Hilltop Jack, Magic Muffin, Elite Field. Uh, but I'm going with Magic Muffin on top, and you just have to go back to that last run at Sandown to see why. 4.94 early, 29.17. They just uh, very, very rarely run that. Hunters, Hunting Club. Punters Punning Club, and uh, what do I do here? Best bet of the night, Zara Marnie, 50 on the snout. I'm going to go. Gamble responsibly, of course. If you think you have a problem with gambling, call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. But I'm going Zara Marnie, race five, number one. I think she is drawn to win, should get the job done, and, and she is a star prospect on the up. From the Broadcast Box... The segment that is backed by popular demand—they've missed him here on the Green Light on Premier Racing podcast. That is Daniel Hibbert, and he's been good enough to jump on the pod at at late notice. Dan, how are you, buddy?
1: Very well, Jim. Very well. Yes, uh, glad to be back on the uh, on the pod again. It's- uh, getting uh, more
0: popular as the weeks go by. Oh, it is! Uh, it is, mate. Because you keep pushing it and you keep making it work for me. Uh, hey, uh, rejuvenate! I spoke a little bit about on this podcast, this edition, a little bit earlier on about how we we were sort of sending messages after the run at Shepparton last week. What what, what was it like calling that boy breaking that uh, that track record? Because I must say, mate, I. I couldn't believe when they broke Slater's track record up at Shepparton years ago, which was about twenty four ninety one, and to think a Greyhounds got down to twenty four point five is just extraordinary.
1: Yeah, well, it was a bit surreal. To be fair, I mean it was it wasn't a, a race where he got out by an, a, a huge margin. Like Tinker Norm was had run a ran a bottling race in the and, it, and so did Lawless. To be fair, they both broke twenty five themselves, and it just didn't feel like that uh, he'd gone super super quick, but when I looked at the board and saw what the time was, I mean, it was just off the charts. Like, it was just, you know, we thought Mr. Audacious's run was, you know, was amazing in itself, and this guy's just gone so much quicker. And he just seems like he's... He seems like the next big thing. He's just... And he seems to have the full package as well. I know we sort of talk about uh, wow, she's Fast and Amron Boy, and, you know, they still... They have seemed to have a couple of chinks in their armour at times, but this guy... Particularly at the start of the race, he's he's so dominant jumping out and then accelerating, and then he's so strong at the back end. Like he just um, he just seems like the complete package. And you know, given he's only been uh, you know out of the placings once, and that was in a Group One. I think the world's his oyster is, uh, and you know, he can basically have his pick of the races he wants to go in.
0: Mate, we're thinking along exactly the same lines because I actually used that exact same term only about five minutes ago on the podcast saying that the world is literally his oyster. Um, I, I have heard a bit of a rumour that he might be heading up to Sydney. Do, do you find when you're calling him, he almost looks like he's doing it too easily for a greyhound that's running that quick? That's what it looks like when you're watching from afar.
1: Yeah, it does. He's uh, he just covers the ground so so easily, and uh, you know it's not. He it just doesn't look like he's going that quick. And I, I mean, I, in the call on on uh, last Saturday night, it just sort of I thought he's going to break twenty five, but I didn't think he'd go anywhere near the time that he went. Like he broke twenty five in the heat uh, and looked super and really kicked away. Last week he didn't get away on Tinker Norm, but he still went super time like. It just goes to show how good he is. And it probably goes to show how uh, much potential Tinker Norm's got as well because uh, he's certainly in his own right building a good record.
0: 100%, mate. Uh, Just as I let you go, a bit of an extra question. Uh, The launching pad's about to kick off. Have you seen one around Sandown whilst you've been calling that you think might be the pick in the launching pad pre-post?
1: Oh, look, honestly, it is really, really hard. There is a lot of them that are going around that are very uh, evenly matched and a few that have uh you know run good times in a couple of races but they sort of haven't been able to back it up you know week to week and that's probably what you're going to have to do in this series given it's three weeks i um honestly i don't have one on 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 top i think it's going to be a cracking series though i think and there's so much depth in it um, uh, that it's just going to be uh, a, a must watch over the next few weeks and you know we've got uh, the qualifiers on sunday for the, the last spot and we obviously had the uh, the launching pad over in Adelaide as well. So it brings together a heap of different form lines and I'm sure there's connections out there that are thinking we've got the one that's going to win it. Uh, but there'll be, everyone will be thinking the same. It's, it's that sort of series, and I can't wait for the start.
0: I know you got the next race about to go up Indigo, mate, but on a less serious note, uh, for those who don't know, you did break down driving home from Sandown Parker, uh, probably a couple of months ago now, Dan, and it was about a 15-hour trek home for you to get uh, home from Sandown Parkers. Has the car been all fixed up, mate? You're back on four wheels now?
1: Uh, no, I am not. So I went to pick it up. I went to pick it up last uh, yesterday, and uh, they weren't happy with it. Uh, there's something, some little gremlin that's uh, throwing something in the system. They're not mm. sure what it is. So much so that they've gone to. Uh, the top brass in Subaru to see if they can sort it out. So I'm not, honestly not too worried because they've given me a brand new Forester which has done no caves on it. So I'm racking up, racking up the caves at their expense.
0: Living the dream. Good on you, Dan. Good luck calling today, mate, and thanks for your time. <laughs> thanks, mate. Inside Info. Well, it's Inside Info time and a new voice on the podcast uh, this week, a man who is in very, very good form with the collar and lead is Des Douch, and he's been good enough to join me on the podcast for a bit of a yarn. Desi, how are you, mate?
2: Yeah, good, buddy.
0: You've had a pretty good run of it, mate, since you got involved in, in Greyhound racing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you made the transition from thoroughbred training across to Greyhound
2: training a few years ago? Yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was in racehorses all my life. And then um, I had a bad car accident in 2010. Broke both my ankles, so that um, bugged me up for riding track work, and then I had to rely on other people to ride track work. And uh, after turning up the track with horses in the float and in the truck, and track riders not turning up, I had enough of it, so I give it away. And then um, a few years went by, then I decided to have a crack at the greyhounds.
0: And mate, it's it's been an extraordinary start for for you in the the game of greyhound racing. You, you obviously have enjoyed the time that you've spent so far training.
2: Oh yeah, no worries. No, I like it. I mean, I was lucky. I, I fluked a good litter when I first started off. Absolute fluke. One with um, you know, I got big flood Brugelino, tide liner. Jacob Carson, Peter Dale out of the one litter, and so that started me off in, you know, good stead, so I've been lucky since then, so.
0: And, and that transition, mate, from the gallops across to the dogs, have you used things that you used to do training horses that you now sort of recognise, I suppose, that you use when you're training the dogs?
2: Yep, exactly right, mate. Yeah, no, I do use things that I used to do with the horses, like as ways training, you're exactly right. But um, I played a hell of a lot of sport as well, um, so... Things like even when I was playing sport, I sort of used that as part of fitness as well with the dogs. So that's uh, all, all helped me, the horses and the sport that I played.
0: And, mate, how, how do you explain, I guess, the, the racing side of things from, from training gallopers to training greyhounds? You're probably, in a way, a little bit more hands-on with the dogs. You box them, you sort of get them right to the point they're about to go where the gallops, I suppose, you sit back and, and effectively watch from afar.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I like to be hands-on with them. I like taking them to the, to the start myself and things like that, trolling them and that. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very similar to the horses, although um, I don't have to rely on track riders and farriers with the greyhound, so <laughs> you that can,
0: helps. <laughs> you can do all of the work yourself, mate, which uh, <laughs> yeah. which sounds like a positive. Hours-wise, would you say it's harder training gallops or is it harder harder training the doggies?
2: No well it's it's harder with the dogs that way because I mean um, and we start mean me, and Mrs. Susan, we start at five thirty of the morning because I'm used to getting up early anyway, so that doesn't that doesn't worry us, but I mean, you can't go nowhere' because every four hours we've got to take them out to the mm. toilet and things like that, and most days I'm off trialing racing, so I'll leaving Susan home here all day with them, yeah but, um yeah, look, look, but she loves it too, which is a bonus you know mm. she loves loves the dogs, so.
0: Oh, it's working beautifully, mate. You mentioned a moment ago that uh, that really good litter that you had to start off. Titolina was was one of those. Uh, yeah. You then go on to breed a litter to Bernardo, a local dog down there in Gippsland, um, and you get a greyhound by the name of Zaramani. Could you could you believe your luck when uh, when Zaramani started going through the, I guess the break in and the, the pre training stage?
2: Oh yeah, that's they, they were all. Right. The, the breaker and the pre trainer were raving about it. Like they said, the whole litter goes good, but they said. Yeah, this one with the white feet. They said she she's unbelievable. Anyway, when I got her home, yeah, they were spot on.
0: Is is it a matter of? I guess first trial. She she showed you guys that she was something pretty handy.
2: Yeah, well, at sale, uh, like I know that three hundred boxes there, pretty well. You know, like yeah. um, the quickest I have ever had a young one go out of there was big flood knee ring, first time seventeen fifty nine. And I started off with Mr. Audacious, and he ran 17.24. And I thought, geez. And anyway, then I got this little girl. I put her around, and she ran 17.26. So I knew I had something.
0: Mm, yeah, it gives you. It's a good. Uh, it's a good comparison, isn't it? Comparing to uh, to greyhounds like that, Mister Audacious, and and uh, also uh, the other one you spoke of there, Big Flood. But uh, box number one, mate, going to the meadows Saturday night. Um, I've got a huge opinion of her because I called her when she dominated that Vic Breeders Series down at Sale to kickstart her career. Um, I, I had a look through the form, Desi, and I've marked her the best bet of the program because I went through her boxes seven seven five eight four. Um, even though she can handle a wide draw, and we saw that in that. Sale, Alvic Breeders. I think off the red at a city track two turn we're going to see the best of Zara I think from an inside draw.
2: Yeah I think you're right mate. The, the the barrier one that's spot on for a mate. You know like and I took her down there uh, what day did I go there? Monday I think it was and trolled her and like I put her out of three. She went straight to the fence. She went 5.15 early which I'm happy with the 5.15 early so first look there, she should improve on that hopefully that first split and um, as you say, she pushes up on that first turn holds the lead, I don't you know, she's got to be hard to beat, you'd mm. think
0: For sure, I love the fact that you're still a still a thoroughbred trainer at heart there Desi, because I'm not sure if you realise, mate, but you said she's in barrier number one, <laughs> but
2: uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: let you off there, mate What do you what do you reckon she can run over all over the 500 at the Meadows?
2: Oh, look, mate, I think if she goes, goes to the front, you know, she's, I think she'll be breaking 30, mm. so no, mate. Yeah, she's not, she's not weak. So like she's strong as well. Yeah I, like,
0: yeah, I like the look of her, mate. Her win at uh, Sandown 2 back outstanding and that little freshen up down at Warrigal was, was brilliant. What's the the dream for you in the sport of greyhound racing, mate? Uh, is it to win a race like the Melbourne Cup or have you got a, a local race that you'd love to win?
2: Look, I come third in the Trilgham Cup with River Rough. When we're trying to race horses, we got a second and third with the horses. I, we couldn't win one. We got boot in the nose one day in the Tralgon Cup with the horses. Damien Oliver beat us on the horse from New South Wales, the Gray Rogersons. But um I really would love to win the Traelgan Cup because uh that you know, we lived there. That was our stables on the court, over the railway line. That's where we were you know, we had all our horses. Well, I was brought up there. You know, I've been around that track wouldn't know how many thousands of times riding horses. So I'd really love to win that one. But look, any naturally any group one race would be fantastic, but um I'd like to win that Terrelgan Cup.
0: I love, I love when people have a an emotional connection to a race, and it's not even about the the prize money because obviously the Melbourne Cup's probably fifteen or twenty yeah. times more than than what the yeah. Terrelgan Cup's worth. And it's yeah. just nice to hear, mate. And and in the, the the journey, I suppose, of training horses, did you have much much luck, mate? It was probably before my time, but uh, did you have much success with uh, with the gallopers over the years down there at Terrelgan?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no. we were leading trainer there for eight in Gippsland for eight years in a row. Me and my brothers. And, um, yeah, no, we had, we won uh, won the Grand National Hurdle, which was fantastic. Mm. My nephew, Grand National Steeple, my nephew rode it. Frankie Stockdale rode it for us, which was a great thrill. And, um, yeah, uh, very good. Mate,
0: now onto the doggies and you're tearing you're tearing that no. a new one. I just wanted to ask one more question about Zara Mani. Did you rear her yourself or is there somebody down there who keeps on rearing all of these winners?
2: No, that litter, uh, the Zara Mani litter, they were reared... Um, out of Borland, out at, at uh, Seaspray there. But um, I normally read, read the others, but, um, yeah, they read this letter for me.
0: Well, mate, everything is falling into place beautifully for uh, for, for yourself and Zara Marnie at the moment. So good luck with everything. Come uh, Saturday night, tomorrow night, mate. I'll be up in the broadcast box. Uh, we've got the hard-earned on as well, mate. Tipped as the best bet of the night. So no pressure, Desi, but uh, get her home for us, mate. <laughs> good on you, buddy. So that wraps up another episode of the Green Light on Premier Racing podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a busy week uh, with three episodes out now over the last few days. So keep an eye on those. Have a listen. Uh, we're going to chat next week uh, on this podcast about who is the number one trainer in greyhound racing. I thought it would be a good topic to uh, to bring up and have a bit of a chat about who do we rate as the the best trainer in the game and maybe a bit of a 1 to 5 as to so, who are the, the top trainers in the game of greyhound racing. Until then, safe travelling and happy punting.